Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're in the home stretch of the Sunbelt offseason and now just sitting 11 days before Georgia State's Thursday night kickoff against Rhode Island. We'll get to today's episode shortly, but before we do, we wanted to tell you about our last, the ninth in our season preview series. Kane and I spoke with Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney about the upcoming season for the Texas State Bobcats. If you haven't listened to it or any of our season preview episodes, trust us, it's worth the time. Today on episode 105 of the show, Caden's excited, I'm excited, we're both excited to continue our season preview series with the App State Mountaineers and head coach Sean Clark. Caden, the Mountaineers finished a disappointing 6-6 six and six in 2022. That included a 3-5 and five record in Sunbelt Conference play. The team missed a bowl game for the first time in program history. I can see you rolling your eyes already. Caden, App State failed to live up to the standards that they have set for that program last year. They'd gone 43-10 and 10 over the past four seasons. They go 6-6, six and six, and that was certainly a letdown. If there was a silver lining, though, Caden, it was that five of those six losses came by fewer than seven points. How confident are you that this App State team can get back to being a championship contender this fall? I will say that my confidence definitely rose after our conversation with Coach Clark. I think as far as a fan goes, my whole life, no matter what sport, I'm a little bit pessimistic. But I think Coach Clark definitely gave some optimism to me through our conversation that we had with him, just talking and highlighting some of those things about those close margins of loss that they had last season. I mean, this league is going to be a theme, I think, throughout the season and throughout these conversations with these coaches. The margin for error is very small. And App State, unfortunately, was on the losing side of that last season. It's unfamiliar and uncharted territory for this program. But I think from our conversation with Coach Clark, kind of talked about how both on and off the field, he's kind of trying to address maybe some of the shortcomings this team had last season. So as far as getting back to that championship level, especially in the East, where I feel like week to week, it's going to be about which team can finish out games. If App State's alone is just better at finishing out games last season, if they have a great quarterback at the helm, like we're going to see hopefully coming up here soon, I think that they can get back to that championship level. It's just not me saying it as a kind of guy who went to App State and obviously has some bias. But I think when you look on paper and historically with this team, given the state of the conference right now, I think they're going to be able to compete each and every week with every Eastern opponent, which is going to give them a chance to be back in that championship conversation. Yeah, Caden, for the first time in a while, it feels like this App State program may be being slept on a little bit as we head into the 2023 season. Well, as promised, we're talking App State in this episode. Caden's former coach, Sean Clark, is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Clark. Joined by App State football head coach, Sean Clark. Caden's uh, former head coach, Sean, thanks for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's an exciting time to be on your show. Uh, I follow your podcast a lot, so uh, I'm finally glad to be on it. I was I thought for a while I wouldn't be on it, so here we are. Well, Caden, make sure to, uh, to clip that clip uh, for social media right there. But uh, Coach Clark, summer is over. Uh, you and your staff, you guys were busy. You guys were running camps. You guys were recruiting. I know you even got to probably spend some downtime with your family. Uh, what did summer look like for Sean Clark? Well, June was a very busy month for us. We had official visits in this summer. We had camps. We had travel camps. But uh, then we took some time off in July, spent some time with the family. Uh, I have a, a 14 and 11-year-old, so uh, that vacation dwindles down pretty quick. So we're between volleyball tournaments and baseball tournaments, spent a few days at the lake and kind of to 
put a little sunshine, sunshine in your soul, if you will. And and now we're back. So uh, we're excited to be here. Uh, everyone's off break, and, and now we're in camp. Appreciate having you on the podcast, Coach, and really appreciate the podcast that his career is following when they're players. But we asked a similar question to your players at Media Days, but we kind of want to hear it from you. Six and six season was clearly a little outlier from what we're used to seeing at App State. Now that camp is underway and the season's right around the corner, what would you say the mindset is of this team and the identity we should expect from this team hoping for a bounce back here? Well, well, six and six is not acceptable. You know that. You played here uh, just like just like I did. And there's a lot of pride in this program, a lot of pride on the mountain. And you know, we had to, to reset what we, were, what we were doing. And that started from the head coach to make sure I went through every facet of the program to to see what we're, what we're doing to give our kids a chance to be successful. And it's, it's not a, a, a rebuild or a reload, it's just a reset. You know, we lost five games by a touchdown or less. And in those games, uh, we had a chance to win the football game at the end. So um, we have some new people on board, and I, which I'm excited about. And uh, our team is different now. With the transfer portal, we've added some quality depth, some quality starters. And, and I like our team. And uh, we're not going to look in the, in the rearview mirror. That's something we'll never do here. It's, we can't change last year, but we can, we can move, our, uh, move forward and have a great year this year. Coach, uh, you were busy this offseason. You guys made uh, you know, several key coaching hires. I look at Frank Ponce coming back uh, as your offensive coordinator, Scott Sloan, who Caden has spoken highly of. You guys bring in a new strength and conditioning uh, coach as well. What did they all have in common, and, and what do you feel like uh, they will bring to this team as they you know, return back to Boone, North Carolina? Well, making decisions like that is not, not easy on any standpoint. And as a leader of your program, you have to make tough decisions that affect people's lives, the people you care about. But I always tell people, I always do what's best for the program first. And to get a chance, this is my fourth year as the head football coach. This is my fourth offensive coordinator. And each coach is left for uh, more money. I wouldn't say better jobs, but more money. And, and that's hard now because you're tripling your salary to go to a Power 5 program. But to have those three uh, key components back in our program, people who know uh, what App State's about, uh, how it runs, the culture of a program. I think you start, first of all, with Matt Greenhall. Uh, he's made a major impact on our program. And uh, the, and Caden knows this. And our workouts are tough here. And if you can make it through our workout, summer workouts, then you have a chance to be successful. And he's that perfect recipe of, man, our players can't stand him when they're in the weight room because it's so tough. But as soon as they can take a shower, they're back in his office and on the couch cutting up. And you can we, we've made major strides as far as our, our strength and, and our condition. The first day of practice, uh, we there was no one cramping. Uh, people were in there running around. You can see in the O-line, D-line, as far as the strength levels go. Uh, our office of coordinator, Coach Ponce, this is his third time back at App. Um, probably the only employee in athletics has been here three times. Um, but he knows what it's about. And for us, we're, we're going to run the football. I think it's important if you have a chance to win a championship, uh, you have to run the football in the fourth quarter. And then also with Coach Sloan, uh, his track record speaks for itself. Uh, Caden, that was his position coach when, when he was here. Caden wasn't that good of a player when he first got here. Okay, <laughs> but that, He probably ended up one of the best safeties ever played football here after a bad injury. Um, but uh, just I think – when you, when you uh, do the defense, I think it's important to go from the back end down because it all has to fit. And, and his his coverage, his, the way he does things in the back end, just makes a lot of sense. Our kids are playing hard right now. Um, there's negotiables and non-negotiables in his, in his defense. And uh, you can tell in the first three days of practice that it will be a different defense in 2023. Coach, I've spoken on this podcast at length about the goal just simply being to win championships in Boone, North Carolina. I think back to when I wasn't very good at football and Coach Sloan recruiting me 
And I, he put that first bowl ring in my hand and I was a three and seven high school player. I'd never seen anything close to that. I remember that was a huge part of why I came to app and you talked about the summer. I've been hearing about the summer from the players. It sounds like y'all have had a championship summer. What do you think happens between now and the season to have kind of a championship caliber football team kind of be ready to head into week one? Well, I think you go back and talk to our players, you know, what what's the major difference from last summer, to this summer it is Matt, but I think as a whole coaches have, we invested in our players uh, we were very intentional about spending time with our players, having our kids at our house, uh, getting to know them. Because I think it's important that uh, you're you're only as good as your players. And if you spend time with them and, and show them that you care, uh, your players will run through a wall for you. And so we've been, we're very intentional in that part of it. But just uh, the carryover, uh, now you're allowed to spend two hours a week with your players. So between summer workouts, we call them OTAs. Uh, and that way we, we, we have meetings, we have walkthroughs. You can have a ball now out there where you're doing individual, and it makes a major difference. It's it's more the NFL model, and that's been carried over. We had a six-day install that we started in uh, in January. So a six-day install, and that went January, February, March, all, all the way to summer, then redid them in the summertime. So day one, uh, there was no uh, learning. It was just really trying to improve on your craft, improve on your technique, and improve on our offense and defense and special teams. Coach, talking about the offense and switching to really talk about this current season, uh, you've got a true quarterback battle heading into fall camp. Uh, This might be one of the first uh, kind of in your tenure as the head man. Uh, What do you look for in your starting quarterbacks, and and what's intrigued you so far about Ryan Berger and Joey Aguilar? We've been very blessed here at App. You go back to the Taylor Lamb years, and then you go to Zach Thomas, and you bring in Chase Bryce, and and now we are breaking a new quarterback in, but – the good thing is uh, Ryan Berger's been in the program for a year and a half now. He's an early enrollee, uh, and we have Joey Aguilar and Mason McHugh. But the one thing we're looking at is uh, who can run our offense efficiently, and that is who can move the ball, no turnovers, who can score touchdowns. Uh, there's a major difference in college football. Now, I do believe touchdown wins games, and if you can score that four-point margin is a big is a big difference, and we study a lot here. And um, but those are the key components. Don't turn the football over. Don't put our defense in a bad situation. If you end every position with a kick, you have a chance to win a football game. And the first three days here, um, all three quarterbacks bring something different to the table. Um, they're not like Chase. Chase an outstanding arm and a great football IQ. These kids can run the football. So I, I do see our offense changing in some ways. Um, we're still going to be nuts and bolts the same. But when that quarterback can run the football. Now, if you're gonna if you're gonna blitz or you're gonna drop eight, now we have a chance for our quarterback to run the football, and it's a game changer. So you have an extra person you have to account for in the run game. Staying on offense, coach, and staying on that run game, that running back room has always been a consistent strength of this team. I remember guys like Marcus Cox when I showed up to App, and from guys like Cam Peoples who just left the program this year more than ever. I feel like we'll see less familiar faces back there. We know what to expect from Nate Noel is probably going to be the tip of the spear of that running game. But what players behind him should we expect to see significant touches out of him, maybe playing a bigger role in the run game? Well, I think Anderson Castle, he's been a, a standout thus far. He had a great camp. Mikel Haywood, a transfer from Navy. Uh, he, you know, he came from the, the triple option where you're, you're hitting the hole and going. And when we're on the outside zone play, uh, that's, a, that's a three-step cut. And, and get upfield. And he's been a pleasant surprise through spring ball and through the first race of camp. Amani Marshall, who played some last year, uh, Kanye Roberts. Uh, so we're deep at that position. Now uh, we're fortunate because when you run the football, your running backs take a beating. <coughs> Excuse me. And then when you get into November, that's when things change because the best ability in football is availability. So who, who's able to play? Who's able to bring production to our football team? But I really like that room right now. Coach Haynes done a great job with those guys. And um, 
and one thing they've really improved their hands out of the backfield. And when that guy's at the dual threat as far as running the football, being the receiver of the backfield, now the game changes. Now you have to cover the whole field. Yeah, I know Caden has specifically talked about, you know, what Nate Noel brings back there and his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and run as well. So he'll certainly, uh, you know, be a big piece to have in the rotation now that he's healthy. Coach, uh, in past, App State D-lines have more been known for their speed and quickness than necessarily their overall size, but that's going to change this year. You've, you know, brought in one of the biggest uh, defensive line units that maybe we've seen in recent App history. It seems like that's kind of a clear indicator of where the Sun Belt is trending. Um, what do you expect the identity of this defensive line to be this season? Well, you're right. Our conference has changed. When we first came in the Sun Belt, you know, a, a six-foot, 240-pound uh, defensive end was good because it was all about your lateral quickness. Now the offensive lines are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. And, you know, you look at on the east, those guys really go foot to foot, and it becomes, say, who can stop who. And so we had to get bigger. We went, that was intentional to go out. Um, to get um, uh, Sean Collins from Rutgers, Big Mike from Michigan State, who brings a lot of length. They're both 6'4-plus. Uh, Markel Clark has done a fantastic job in the weight room at nose guard. We have a lot of depth at that position. So um, they're nicknamed a yard for a reason because they go back there and they, they do all their individual stuff and they come out. But man, I'm just excited about Coach Cabral. Uh, and you can attest to this, Caden. He's a lot of, a lot of characteristics of Mark Ivey who those guys would run through a wall for. And it was a different mentality right now. And I'm, I'm glad to see that because man, when you're here at that, man, you got to put the chip on your shoulder. And I remember back in the old days when I was the offensive line coach, the O-line, D-line practice would stop some, sometimes because, man, it was so in, uh, intense, the one-on-one battles. And that's where we're getting back to. It's, your game's one of the trenches. If you can't run the football, you can't stop the run. You have no chance to win the football game. So, um I like where we are. We brought Coach Cummings in to be the offensive line coach. Uh, he's kind of an old school throwback uh, guy. He's this is his first down, uh, first time this this far below the Mason Dix line has ever been south of in his life. So, man, I really like the trenches. And like I said, I think Coach Cabral is an outstanding job with that defensive line. Any Coach Ivy esque defensive line is definitely a scary sounding one, Coach. But I feel like we can keep saying this about different positions group, but the linebacking position group has also been consistent. But it loses a ton of experience with. Nick Hampton gone, Trey Cobb, Logan Dublin, Tyler Burt, just guys who are really experienced and had a ton of knowledge for the defense specifically as well. We're sure Brendan Harrington and Andrew Parker are leading the charge in that core, but what are your expectations outside of those two at the linebacking positions? Well, we're young at that position. Uh, we are, and uh, Darrell Farrar, um, he was here last year as a redshirt freshman that played in four games. Uh, we have Kyle Arnholt. We brought Ryan McGinnis in, Jordan Bethea from, from a, the Atlanta area. And so we have a, we have players there. They're going to, have to play their way through experience and, and get better at our defense. But I think the way our defense is, is set up, they get, if our defensive line stays in their gaps, our linebackers can fit off of them. So they're not really to take the beating off as far as you know taking the one-on-one blocks on, and they can play with their speed. I think we're we have a lot of speed at that position, and it's showing right now. And but again, to me on defense, if you don't play with an attitude and you don't try to get to the ball every single time, and when you get to the ball. And it's, it has to be physical. It has to be a, a mentality that changes things. And, and and that's where we are right now. And it's getting better every day. We're getting better at that spot. Um, so we'll, we'll be fine at that position. That's going to be one position no one's talking about right now. But at the end of the season, I think it'll change things. Now, Coach, you know I couldn't go this whole conversation without talking about Coach Sloan in that secondary. I know what he brings to the table as far as an overall defensive mind. But more specifically, like in that secondary group within his area of like real expertise, 
what impact have you seen him make on that position group so far since he's been back in Boone? Well, right now it's red zone defense, and and that uh, that was a thing last year. At uh, that we were we were successful in the red zone. I think we're sixty some percent success rate, but those were touchdowns instead of field. Uh, those were touchdowns. So to bring in, he has a very good plan in the red zone area. And, and our first three days, we start in the red zone for a lot of reasons. One, because that's the most important thing. If you win the red zone, you can win the football game. But also to, to, to take away and tear off their, their hamstrings at early stage and, and, and fall camp. But uh, it's been difficult for the offense uh, to, to score touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, you know his coverage is down there, Kate. He's adding some more to it. Um, but bringing A.J. Howard back, who played in the NFL for the Patriots, they have some new wrinkles to it. And that's exciting because – when we were here in the past, when we won championships, the offense really didn't do very well through fall camp. Maybe a scrimmage here or a scrimmage there. and But when we did, we kicked Caden's butt. But in saying that, <laughs> um, uh, it's that's that's what you want to see. And as an offensive line coach, you want to be uh, – it's, it's frustrating because you're not getting down there. You're not scoring touchdowns. But as a head football coach, you're saying, look, this is how it was. This is how it has to be. If you're going to have a great season, our defense has to play at a high level. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And we're seeing that right now on the mountain. And as a head football coach, um, that makes you rest easier at night. When our defense is, is holding our offense to field goals to touchdowns, we have a chance to win this year. Well, Coach, you were certainly speaking Caden's love languages. I have not seen him smile this much on a on a podcast episode yet. But uh, you guys are already into fall camp. Uh, who are some players on this roster, maybe on offense and defense, that fans just aren't as familiar with that you were impressed with their offseason workouts and now – you think they're going to play big roles this season? Well, I think our offensive line is going to be very productive. And everyone knows about our offensive line except our tackles. But Markel Samuels is a left tackle who was a former defensive lineman that wasn't playing much. And so we brought him over to the offensive line. He's six foot five. He's 295 pounds right now. Uh, he has that body type to play the next level. Now, there's a lot of things he has to do in order to get there. And on the right side, we have um, Jalen Ramsey. Who, who's a new kid as well. We brought some transfers, but I really think our receiving core, that, that's kind of the, the the unspoken people on our football team. We And we have a lot of returning. Every kid's returning from last year. And you look at Caden Robinson, Deshaun Davis, Christian Horn. Uh, he's a quiet kid, but, man, he just keeps playing. And we, we, we monitor our guys. We have these devices that you can really tell a catapults, how much they're running, their top speeds. And Christian Horn, he's running four miles a day, four and a half and a top speed at 21 miles an hour. And that's moving on. And, and Dalton Stroman, who's a quiet kid, who's six foot three and some chains. That then the red zone, you can throw it up. And his nickname is Spider Man. Go up and get the ball and and, and make some plays. And, and and those are the guys I'm excited about because everyone's talking about. Everyone's about our running back room, the quarterback. That's going to be f- figure out the week one of the game. We'll announce a starter the uh, for the Monday before our first game. But those are the guys I'm excited about. And, and we brought some guys in that have really added some quality depth to our, our offense. And um, so everyone's counting us out right now. And that's a good thing. For a long time, we we have been the hunted. And now we're the hunter. So the mindset has changed here on the mountain. Well, Coach, we'll end with this. I left it off the rundown intentionally. Uh, but I got to ask you for a good Caden Smith story. Keep it PG for me. But is there a story uh, throughout his really lengthy career that maybe just stands out to you? Well, I think Caden, uh, in all reality, Caden was a, was a heck of a football player. And, and his his knowledge of the game is, as we call it the FBI, your football intelligence. I mean, he made up for a lot of things that maybe he wasn't fast enough in the back end, 
But, man, he knew things were going to happen before it happened. And he was a leader of our defense. He he really uh, brought a lot of value back there. He was a great leader, uh, and he's a great communicator. So there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be successful in, in the, the broadcasting era. So I just hope he remembers me that 15 years down the road when he's he's big time on national TV or whatever he does. So uh, we're very proud of Caden. Uh, he, he's what he represents what App State's about. And that's uh, just been a great human being and a great football player. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate you uh, jumping on the Frarian Smith podcast. It's been a while. Uh, Kane, you got a closing thought? Good luck to you this season, Coach. I love the mentality. love the support for the podcast. love that you didn't embarrass me too much with that story. And we'll definitely have you back on one day, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Kane, what a fun interview talking with uh, your former head coach and one of the biggest things that I took away from that interview, Caden, was an understanding that it felt like on last year's team, there just was not much margin for error. You had, you know, some position groups that maybe were a little bit down, a little bit depleted. I took away from that conversation that it feels like this year, App State can win football games in multiple different ways, and there might be a little bit more margin for error this fall. Yeah, and I think when you look at the history and the recent history of App State, I just can remember viscerally from being there my freshman year to being there at the end, just seeing the level of competition rise in the conference. And I feel like that's a direct product that when you look at some of the shortcomings, whether it's one position group or another, one player or another, one schematic thing or another, when you looked at App State last season. So I think the fact that Coach Clark's coming into this season with more of an open mindset, it sounds like, kind of reinventing the wheel, kind of taking a look back, taking a step back seeing which areas he can maybe adapt and, be, adapt and be more fluid. I think it definitely makes them more built to win. I think when you look at the traditional App State way, I remember when this team used to run inside and outside zone every single run play and pretty much tell the team in front of them that they're running it and there was nothing they could do about it. That's not the case anymore. There's so many teams in this conference that are absolutely loaded. You have to out-coach teams. You have to outplay teams. You have to do every little thing right to win games on a weekly basis. And it sounds like Coach Clark and this staff are paying more attention to those details heading into the season, which makes me a little bit more optimistic moving forward. Yeah, that will be fascinating to see. Can they make those adjustments here heading into this second year of kind of the new Sun Belt? Uh, Caden, the linebacking core for me continues to still be a question mark for this App State team. It has to be when you lose guys like Nick Hampton and Trey Cobb and, and many others. We'll touch on that full core uh, a little bit later on in this episode. But how were your thoughts or what were your takeaways from what Coach Clark had to say about that group? Are you feeling optimistic? Somewhat, I think when you look at out of all the position groups to be either optimistic or pessimistic about, I'm definitely more down on the linebacking core just because on paper you lose so many veterans. And I think when you look at this defense, specifically the 3-4 scheme, your outside linebackers, one's going to be a rusher, one's going to be a versatile weapon that's going to be in and out of coverage. And the two inside backers have a lot of responsibility and there's a very, very slim margin for error for those positions. I think when you look at the App State inside linebacker positions in particular, you're in a lot of stressful positions because you are the only two ones on the inside. And then one, one mistake here, one mistake there can lead to a, one of those busted runs in a long run. So I think as far as that position group, not really worried about the physical tools these guys have. I'm more worried about up top. Can they understand the defense? Can some of the younger guys maybe have a clean fall camp and use that to go into the season? So I think as far as on paper, you're going to look and see guys who are blazing speed, blazing strength, have all the physical attributes. The question's more so going to be, do they have it up here up top? And will they be able to perform to that standard that we've seen at the linebacking position? be so high at App State historically. App State finishes last year 6 and 6 as I mentioned earlier on in this episode, they go just 3 and 5 in Sun Belt Conference play. 
Okay, it was a disappointing season in Boone, one in which they failed to make a bowl game for the first time in program history. It was a memorable start, though, to the year. You had that 124-point game versus North Carolina. You get the win over number 6 Texas A&M. You win on the Hail Mary over Troy with none other than college game day on campus. And, Kane, that was all in the first three weeks of the season last year. Uh, last year, you really do have to feel, if you're an App State fan, like you were on a roller coaster. What does this team, in your mind, Caden, need to do to find more consistency this fall? I think a lot of that's going to be found in the offseason and just the overall accountability within the team, within the players of each other. I feel like last year when you watch App State, any given day, any given position group would somehow have a fall off, have a drop off, overperform, underperform. It just seemed like every single position group, whether on offense or defense, just wasn't clicking. And days where the pass rush was getting there, like against UNC, when you have Nick Hampton forcing fumbles, then the secondary is giving up plays over the top. It just never seemed to work on the same page. So I think this season coming into the year, App State is going to just really have to look at being cohesive at every position group at the same time on the field. At the same time, I think when you look at the teams in the conference last year that maybe had some shortcomings, you talk about Coastal Carolina's defense, especially that secondary having issues. The rest of their front seven was solid. The rest of their offense was solid. Having one weakness as a team is different than having inconsistent weaknesses week in and week out when you don't know what you're going to get. So I feel like as long as this team maybe in the beginning of the season can figure out their way to win, maybe figure out their strengths and weaknesses early, lean into those and be them, keep them consistent throughout the season, that's where we can maybe see the momentum get rolling and see some more wins for this team this year. That's a great point you're making, Caden, because I even think about a rival of App State, Georgia Southern, a very similar story. Their offense seemed to show up most weeks, but that defense uh, didn't do that that often. Uh, So definitely fascinating to kind of see, can App State put all of the pieces together this fall? Chase Bryce is gone after two strong seasons in Boone, North Carolina. I don't think you can argue with that. Enter now redshirt freshman Ryan Berger, Juco transfer Joey Aguilar competing for that job. Okay, and they're both battling for that slot vacated by Chase Bryce. Both options kind of feature the ability to run, which App State didn't have last fall at the quarterback position. Who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse right now for this job? And how will getting back to that dual threat ability help this App State offense this season? Yeah, you can take a seat right now, Noah, because I'm definitely about to spit some bars here. When you look at this just quarterback battle overall, I think Ryan Berger is the guy that's getting looked at as kind of the guy just from talking to the players and hearing Coach Clark compare this guy to Zach Thomas is is always a good thing and something that you just can't take lightly when you look at the quarterback history of this program. But this is one of the most important position battles in the entire conference when you head into this season. I personally liked what I saw from Ryan Berger against Robert Morris, which was obviously lesser competition last season, but just the foundation of his footwork, how he was working in the pocket. He looked very good and looks like he, it sounds like he's built on that throughout the offseason and kind of instilled some confidence in the offense. But I think Aguilar also brings that talent and experience to the table as well. And as Coach Clark mentioned, and I saw it for myself at spring practice, this kid does have a Sunday arm. He has a rocket. He can make things happen in the pass game. He can be very explosive. And both of them adding that dual threat ability definitely adds a new wrinkle to this offense that I think will make them more dangerous. When you talk about the days with Zach Thomas at the helm being a mobile quarterback, even Taylor Lamb, a more mobile quarterback who was a little slept on for his deceptiveness, when it gets to third and medium, when it gets to your most important games, especially when it comes to the championships, Chase Bryce did some great running things in the Sunbelt Championship two years ago when it was on the line. But consistency week in and week out, keeping the defensive front on their toes with that is going to be huge for this offense overall. But I think 
overall, when you look at this battle, I think whoever comes out of it, I love that it was a close battle throughout the spring. I love that it's a close battle throughout the fall because I think that's going to prove to the team that, hey, this is a guy who has already been competing the whole year. So when you need them to compete for you on Saturdays, they're going to be there. The biggest question mark for me and all the pressure I feel like just goes from the neck up. I'm not worried about this quarterback performing. This looks like a talented room, but these fans haven't seen bad or even mid quarterback play in a very long time. So the standard has been set. I think it's a talented room, like I mentioned, but I think when you have week one and then week two, you have a date with Drake May, you're going to find out real quick that there's a different kind of pressure that comes with playing the quarterback position at App State. I love the weapons that surround this quarterback, whoever's going to be in there, very specifically a wide receiver, which I'm going to touch on here as well. I think this room is just a slept on room overall. They lose Christian Wells and Henry Pearson in the past games, but they return a group that I believe didn't really scratch the surface of their overall potential last season just because of the offensive system they were in. Kevin Barbe loved to spread the love. Of course, he liked to run the ball too. So there was no real standout performer, but this wide receiver room returns a ton of weapons with a ton of different skill sets. You look at a guy like Christian Horn, who Coach Clark mentioned, we, we all know him from the Hail Mary last season, but this is a true number one wide receiver that led this team in receiving guards last year. He only had 52 targets and 33 catches. Fun fact, there was every single player, every single team in the conference had a guy that had more targets than Christian Horn last year. It took a long time to find that stat, so I hope the people appreciate that one. But it just goes to show that this number one receiver is probably the least targeted number one receiver. His role could increase in this offense as well. You also have a guy in Caden Robinson who returns, who's a big body guy on the outside who can also stretch the defense vertically, get behind the secondary. He showed some great things as a transfer last season. Dalton Stroman, like we've mentioned on this podcast before, was a super raw talent, a great 50-50 ball guy who can just do great things and did great things last year in small doses. He could have a more increased role. And I think the true X factor is going to be Deshaun Davis at the slot receiver position. I feel like he's a guy that's that kind of slot receiver jitterbug that you want, who is a light, small frame, is hard to touch. I think he's borderline unguardable given enough space in the slot. So I have high hopes for this unit overall. I hope Coach Ponce at the wide at the offensive coordinator position can set these guys up for success and set this quarterback up for success. But you even have guys like Scooby Ford coming in from Mississippi State and a Makai Jackson, who was a monster at the FCS level. I love this room. I think there's a lot of different skill sets if they're utilized properly. And I think when you combine that with a quarterback who could be a dual threat as well and deliver the ball both to the slot and the outside guys, this could be a very dangerous offense. And I think it's going to be all about who's at that quarterback position and how Coach Ponce chooses to utilize them along with that run game. Well, Drake, move over because Caden just spit some bars on the Frary and Smith podcast. Caden, we're going to stay on offense here. Let's talk about that running back room. Last year, Cameron Peoples and Nate Noel each finished with just over 600 yards rushing. It was the first time in over 10 years that an App State running back did not run for 1,000 yards in a season. This year, Noel is back. He's healthy. Plus, you've got Amani Marshall back there, Anderson Castle, Kanye Roberts. They're all in the backfield. Then you throw in Mikel Haywood, the Navy transfer as well. Caden, this is a team that averaged 204 yards per game on the ground last season. What are your keys to success for this room in 2023? For me, the biggest key is it's all about health and depth here. I think Nate Noel only had four games last season with double-digit carries, and two of those he looked like he did in 2021 when he led the conference in rushing that year. He had 116 and two touchdowns against UNC to start the year, and then 171 and three touchdowns to end the year against Georgia Southern. So I think he bookended his season, and clearly we saw how he looked healthy at the beginning of the year, then got his rest and looked at the end of the year. It's going to be about can he build that for the entire season. Depth is great at the running back position, don't get me wrong, but you want a bell cow to lead your team 
to be the front and centerpiece of your rushing game. And Nate Noel can obviously be that. It's going to be about can he be durable and can he sustain throughout the entire season. I'm praying he can do so because when he is healthy and capable, we see what he's good at. We see what he can do. With the NFL looming, especially, you don't want durability to be concerned as a smaller running back. So I'm hoping he can stay healthy this season, both for this team and just for his future in general. But I think if he's leading the charge every game, if he's the starting running back every game and he's fully healthy, then I feel like you can really unlock some of the other pieces that are very exciting. None of these running backs, no offense to them, are the most exciting pieces when they're the first running back. But as a secondary piece to a Nate Noel with different body types, very excited to be about, or very excited just in general about this group. Amani Marshall, like you mentioned, played great in the last three games of the season when Nate was banged up. Anderson Castled is a big body fall forward kind of running back who can get it done on third and short as a veteran. Kanye Roberts is very young, but showed a lot of promise in garbage time last year against Citadel and Robert Morris, but he looked great. He made some great cuts. He looks like he has an idea of the scheme, and he also wears number 14, which is just a big standard of App State that I think will continue to be upheld. And then lastly, that transfer, like you mentioned, Markwell Hayward, he oozes with all that transfer portal production that I love at Navy, had a 1,000 yards, 1,000 all-purpose yards in 20-plus games. So I like the room overall. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of different looks you can give defenses to keep them on their, on their toes, especially when you add the element of possibly a quarterback rushing as well. But I think it all comes down and all centers around the health of Nate Noel. Yeah, I cannot agree with you more. And I think you don't even have to be an App State fan to hope that we see the Nate Noel that we had seen in years past this season. I think that would be great for the Sun Belt because when he is on the top of his game, he is one of the better running backs in the country. Caden, staying on offense, Coach Clark mentioned the increased emphasis on the offensive line this offseason. They had to replace Cooper Hodges at right tackle. He's in the NFL. You have to replace Anderson Hardy at left tackle. But, Caden, this staff went out. They brought in multiple transfers from Power 5 programs. Caden, you know as well as anyone, the Bulls, and more specifically, strong play at the lines, have always been a staple of this App State offense. Despite losing those two all-conference tackles, though, Caden, it does seem like this group might have a chance to be just as good as last year's. Definitely. And you never love losing Cooper Hodges and Anderson Hardy, who are both not participating in NFL training camps, and we wish them the best of luck. But I think when you look at the trio that comes back of Damian Daly, Bucky Williams, and someone we got to talk to at Media Days, and Isaiah, Will, uh, Isaiah, I think that, Isaiah Helms, sorry, my notes were messed up. Isaiah Helms all returning. I think it makes this almost the strength of the offense. I have high hopes for this unit. I'm very interested to see how the developing O-linemen do at those tackle spots. I think it's going to be a very important position of emphasis. Coach Clark talked about guys like Markel Samuel that are going to be out there and Jaden Ramsey who are going to be at those tackle spots, but they're really going to need them to hold up, especially when you look at a team and a conference really that has to go through quite a few edge rushers. You have to play Owen Porter. You need someone at the tackle position to block that guy. Kevin Swinton, those guys that they have at Georgia State, I anticipate them being able to get after the passer. James Madison, I mean, this conference is littered with edge rushers, so having it taken care of on the interior and those tackle spots and the center spots is definitely promising, but I am worried about outside of guard and center, rather, the tackle spots being able to hold up in edge protection. But I think if those spots can hold up, I think they're going to be solid in the interior. The key is going to be, can they be consistent? Like we talked about before, this is a team that would play great. He And the next thing you know, there would be Chase Bryce getting sacked four times against James Madison or only rushing for 40 or 41 yards against Texas State. There were very high highs with this offensive line and low lows. Outside of those tackle spots being a position of concern, I'm just worried about the overall consistency being a concern as well compared to last season. Yeah, it will certainly be fascinating. Caden, I, uh, while you were talking, I opened up Twitter just uh, real quickly, and 
the first thing that shows up is a video of Cooper Hodges doing cartwheels uh, at Jaguars training camp uh, today. So Jacksonville certainly getting a good one there in Cooper Hodges. Caden, uh, we asked Coach Clark in this interview about the defensive line, and it seems like App State maybe is having a philosophy shift when it comes to that defensive line construction heading into this season. Speed and quickness were always emphasized in seasons past, but this year they brought in some bruisers up front, particularly guys like Michael Fletcher, who comes in from Michigan State, Sean Collins from Rutgers. Are they making the right call on this defensive line this year? And do you expect the decision to recruit differently to pay off for this team? I definitely do. I think the name of the game up front in the Sun Belt, specifically in the East, is size. It is strength. It's brutality. It's being able to win at the point of attack. And App State, for the longest time, was able to get away with some, frankly, defensive linemen who I loved to death that were my teammates. But if you just looked at them physically, you might think they play a different position other than defensive line. They were known for their speed, their quickness, being able to shoot into gaps and kind of establish themselves in them gaps. But then when you look at games like Coastal Carolina and App State last season, where their defensive line was just so much bigger than our offensive line, was super dominant, was owning those A-gaps. That's something that teams can do now in the conference if you are a little bit slider up front. So I am looking forward to the defensive line unit being a little bigger, being a little bit more robust up front. And Coach Sloan being at the helm of it, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, really gives me confidence because this defensive line resembles more of his Georgia Southern units that we saw in the past that ran the same scheme, but did it with a different size and a different energy up front as far as what they were bringing to the table. So you mentioned guys like a Sean Collins and a Michael Fletcher who've came in and generated a lot of buzz. And I feel like at least one of those guys could be all conference guys at the end of the season, just given this scheme. They have a lot of young guys who played last season too, who returned with some new experience, took their lumps last year, didn't do as great as probably they imagined. We'll probably come into this season with the off season of work, some more experience under their belt and play well, like a DeAndre Dingle Prince, a Marcus Clark and a a Karan White. So I think just given their depth and what they added, I think this could potentially be the strength of this defense this season. It's all about rotating guys in though. This is a team that needs to be deep you're playing three guys, they play as hard as they can. You got to have depth. Always worried about depth when it comes to defensive line at App State. But as far as the first couple guys they can throw at offensive lines, it seems like they got some maulers and some dudes up front that can move that line of scrimmage and make things easier for those linebackers behind them. Caden, if you remember back right as we started talking at the beginning of this episode, I started talking about margin for error. And it's this group, that defensive line, that I feels like gives App State a little bit of margin for error defensively this year. You've got some bigger guys up front. Maybe it takes a little bit of pressure off that linebacking core that we're going to talk about now. And, Kane, it feels like defensive coordinator Scott Sloan, he has his work cut out for himself at linebacker this year. You're down Trey Cobb. You've lost Nick Hampton. Logan Dublin's gone. Jalen McLeod. uh, Those are guys that come to mind right off the bat. Uh, Plus, you'll also be without kind of complimentary pieces like Keyshawn Brown and Tyler Bird. You do have Brendan Harrington coming back alongside Andrew Parker. Those are going to kind of be those inside linebackers that you were talking about earlier. Uh, but, Caden, Coach Clark seemed to like his depth and really felt like they have the ability to replace some of those key pieces. It might be fair to expect a small step back this year from that linebacking core. What are your thoughts kind of on that collective group? Yeah, well, just starting at the bandit position, which really just is a true stand-up edge rusher. I mean, you lose Nick Hampton and Jalen McLeod, who were easily the two best pass rushers on this team last year probably in the program in the last couple of years. That's a huge loss. And that's just production you're not going to be able to replicate. Hopefully they can get some guys up front, like those big guys you mentioned, who can free up an edge rusher on the outside. But that's that that position alone is going to take a step back. And we talked about it before. Look, it's great to have Andrew Parker back. He was an experienced guy who played a lot of reps last year for this team and had a ton of tackles. Brendan Harrington 
as well. Returning is huge after having that season-ending injury in week one. It was really unfortunate because I feel like he was just starting to come into his own mentally and physically. He was one of those smarter young players I've seen pick up the defense really quick, and he learned multiple positions. I'm curious to see where they actually put him because he's extremely smart. I think his versatility might be the key to really getting the most out of this linebacking unit because Coach Sloan and that staff might be able to plug and play Brendan Harrington and play their best guys around him. But I talked about it before. When you look at the just the dimensions of these guys, the height and weight and the speed, the size, the strength of these players, they all have get it done on paper. But at the App State football program, what gets it done in the linebacking position is up top. You mentioned guys like Tyler Bird before, guys like a Logan Dublin in the past. Those guys are not going to do anything freaky on the weight room or super freaky on the field that are going to just wow you. But the reason they were effective is because they knew where they were going because they were a step ahead mentally. This defense is going to be all about which guys can make it happen up top and translate that to physical play. I really think that it's going to come down to which guy can be in their playbook the most this year. And if they have enough guys who know what they're doing, if they have plenty of, they have plenty of talent, they have plenty of guys to throw out there, but if they have two or three guys that really understand this defense, like the back of their hand when fall camp is over, my mind will be much more at ease about this linebacking core. But until they prove to me in those first couple games that they know what they're doing, we don't see any mental errors. We don't see any mistakes up front. I'm still going to be hesitant on being high on this group as coach Clark is. I think what's interesting, the more I hear you talk in this episode, is it feels like if that defense is a cohesive unit, you feel really good about it. But if you start to have players playing as individuals, uh, you're not feeling as good about it. Caden, there was no way we were getting through this episode without talking about this App State secondary. Uh, looking at this team this year, you're going to be without Stephen Jones and Dexter Lawson, who were your two cornerbacks last year. But you're bringing back Nick Ross as your free safety. You've got EJ Jackson, the Marshall transfer back there as well. You've also added Tyreek Funderburk, who you had on your uh, other podcast uh, the other day the, uh, from Richmond. And there have been a lot of good reports about Ethan Johnson uh, this offseason. Last year, this unit was amongst the worst in the NCAA. But Caden, it seems like they have a chance to turn this back into a strength this fall. Yeah, I think honestly, when you just looked at the departures in the offseason, there was a time where I was actually more concerned about the secondary at App State than the linebacking core. But then you start hearing some of the murmurs out of spring practice and things like that. And I had a little bit more confidence built up throughout the offseason. You lose the duo of former All-American cornerback Stephen Jones on one side and Dex Lawson on the other time, like you mentioned. But you return all your safeties. Ronald Clark did suffer a pretty serious injury from what I've heard in spring practice. So I don't know how much we'll be seeing of him in the season, but I've been hearing great buzz, like you mentioned, about Richford transfer, tri Richmond transfer, Tyreek Funderburk. It sounds like he is the real deal. It sounds like he's getting almost that torch passed to him as far as always having one elite cornerback that can shut down one side of the defense this year. So it sounds like he's really picked up and given to Coach Sloan's philosophies in the secondary. He was familiar with Rod West, the other coach in the secondary who was at Richmond. So I'm really excited about him and expect him to be a newcomer and a breakout performer. Then you mentioned that Ethan Johnson is a guy I expect on the other side as well to be the starter. He played some big snaps for this team last season as a true freshman. Expect him to take a leap after taking some lumps last season. He has a lot of size. He has the football IQ part figured out probably more heading into his sophomore year. You mentioned Nick Ross returns as this team's leading tackler, their main communicator on the back end as well. I'm very curious to see who shares the field with him because he led this team in tackles last year. This is his secondary. Who's going to be the guy next to him? I really have heard good things about Jordan Favors heading into his sophomore season. Same with Marshall transfer EJ Jackson. So they might have some options in there. 
Jackson Green as well as another veteran who knows the defense well. The more DBs that can contribute, though, the better this overall defense will be. Coach Sloan loves the secondary packages on third down, loves being able to use different looks and use different corners and safeties in different roles, especially if we maybe have some of the fall off in production that we could anticipate possibly seeing at the linebacker spot. So I think this one, I think they're going to have four guys at App State that are going to be on the same page and be able to get the job done. The question is going to be, will they have five, six, seven that they can maybe possibly throw out on third down or get some other starters and their main contributors, some breathers throughout the end of the season and the end of games. Definitely a few question marks on defense for App State. Can they figure it out uh, as we get set for the 2023 season? That certainly is the question on a lot of Mountaineers uh, fans' minds. Caden, lastly on special teams, you are uniquely qualified to talk about this unit. You were on some of the best special teams units in App State history. App State's bringing back their core on this unit with the exception of punter Clayton Howell, who had a 34.7 net punt average last year. Caden, this has been a top 50 unit in four of the last five seasons, including number four in the country back in 2018. Spoiler, you were on all of those units. Caden, they dropped all the way down to 102nd last year, according to Phil Steele. What does this team need to do to get back to that high caliber of play that App State fans came to expect from their special teams unit? Well, first, I think it's just great that you mentioned that, look, it's it's the worst App State season we've had in a very long time. And it's also the worst special team season this team has had in a very long time. Those things correlate. Those things matter. It's a secret that's probably fans aren't talking about a ton, but it's something we're going to talk about in this podcast. And it definitely contributed to those close games. When you talk about close losses, it comes down to hidden yardage. It comes down to field position. And those are things that special teams units can give your team, can give them an edge in what championship teams always have and what these App State teams have had in the past. But I think as far as improving this unit, Brian Haynes is a great special teams coach. I worked with him my last couple of years at App State, and he's still continuing to lead the ship in this department for this team. As far as special teams goes, it comes down to the mental fortitude of the players and taking pride in your job when it comes down to special teams at the end of the day. I probably wouldn't be this frank talking about other teams in the conference, but when it comes to an App State program that I've been a part of, I know that those special teams units in the past took pride in what they did, and they liked being on all the units, and they loved making noise, and they loved helping the team out in any way they could. But when you get older and older and you have some younger players come through who are maybe some higher recruits, Maybe they don't take as much pride in the special teams. Maybe they feel like they should be on the field on offense and defense and not doing the dirty work of running down on kickoff or blocking the R5, who's giant, probably two times their size on kickoff return. No one wants to do it, but you have to do it and you put yourself in those positions to help your team win. So I think overall, it's going to be about can this team take pride in their work? When you look at their roster, you look at the recruiting, they have plenty of talent. They can put 11 guys out there who can stand toe to toe with anyone in the conference as far as being some nasty dudes who can be physical and fast on special teams. It's about can they put that chip on their shoulder? Can they wear their heart on their sleeve? Can they be passionate and care about special teams like these teams have in the past? Yeah, certainly it's an area that does not get talked about enough, but it is an area that if you're good at it, it makes your football team better. App State's got to get better on special teams heading into this fall. Caden, last thing up on this episode, looking at App State's schedule this fall, they're in the bottom half of the league in terms of strength of schedule, according to Phil Steele. Vegas has their over-under for this year at six and a half wins currently. Kane, when you look at this schedule, the first five weeks of the season, I feel like set up nicely for App State. You get a good Gardner-Webb team at home that played in the FCS playoffs last year in week one. That's a game you've got to win. Then you head to UNC for kind of the trilogy uh, against uh, that Carolina team. Then you get East Carolina at home. That game's going to be sold out. They are going to add extra bleachers before heading all the way out to Laramie to play Wyoming. 
Then you come home, you get ULM before your bye week. Then you've got Coastal Carolina on a Tuesday night that following week. Caden, there are some winnable games against Old Dominion and Southern Miss in late October before you have to face Marshall, James Madison, and Georgia Southern to end the season. I see no reason really to believe that App State can't get back to bowl eligibility this season. And Caden, I really do think they're due for a bounce back season this year and should surpass that over of six and a half wins this fall. I definitely agree with you, Noah, and a lot of it has to do with the structure of your schedule. I think when you look at this schedule, talked about it before, and the order of it is very important. The fact that the first four weeks of this team's season are games that they do not have to win truly to be in the conference championship is huge, especially when you're breaking in a new quarterback. You're going to go from having a quarterback playing his first game against Garner Webb, an easy opponent where they can get their feet wet, and then really picking up a notch and playing probably the hardest team you'll play this entire season in North Carolina. So I think the first two weeks of this season, this team is house money gamblers looking to come back and prove a point, and they're going to have time to feel it out and figure out who they are. And they have two more weeks of non-conference play before they have to go to ULM and figure that out. And then I think this Ab State schedule moving forward, Coastal and Marshall just going from back and forth being, between being home and away is going to be huge. I love that they have to host Marshall and Coastal Carolina this year. A trip to James Madison is never fun. You also host Georgia Southern as well. I think this is a more favorable schedule for this team overall when you just look at it top to bottom. I think they can definitely surpass six wins. And I think if they do catch their footing early in those first four games that I mentioned, aren't really, they're all winnable, but really don't have to win it. But if, if this App State team can figure out who they are in those first four weeks, maybe even those first five weeks against ULM, I think they could be very dangerous and do some serious damage and be kind of up to that standard we've seen in the past at that championship level. Okay, and all I'm saying is this is a hell of a home slate uh, for this App State team. You got Gardner-Webb, East Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Southern Miss Marshall, and Georgia Southern. If they can't sell tickets, I don't know what would get fans to come out. They've already sold out, I believe, three games at last check. So certainly expecting a lot of fun up on the mountain uh, this fall. Well, that will do it for our App State preview on the Prairie and Smith podcast. Big thanks to App State head coach Sean Clark, as well as senior associate AD Joey Jones for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast on Wednesday. Our season preview series drops down to Monroe, Louisiana to catch up with ULM head coach Terry Bowden to talk about the Warhawks upcoming season. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith Podcast. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider leaving us a quick review or a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us in the show out. We're just 11 days from the official start of the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. Music.